Hello and welcome to Fantastic History. I'm Clay. I'm Sarah. We are a husband and wife duo who enjoy telling each other about amazing events, people, and mysteries throughout history. Sarah, the world of art is full of a lot of interesting things. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Famous pieces, some that are so famous that people have probably seen parodies of the art before seeing the originals. Okay, sure. Uh, I'm thinking of like Van Gogh's Starry Night Mm. or The Scream or The Last Supper. Sure. Things like that. But one painting is the most famous in the whole world. Yep. Da Vinci's Mona Lisa. It is the most visited piece of art, the most recognized, and possibly the most valuable. Okay, sure. Every year, the Louvre sees 10 million visitors, over half of which come specifically to see the painting. That's crazy. Which sits behind bulletproof glass in a temperature and moisture controlled (laughs) environment. (laughs) I love the idea that somebody would come in there and just shoot it. (laughs) Well, there have been instances of people trying to destroy it. I'm sure they have. I just like the bulletproof specifically. I'm just tickled. Hey, it's the toughest stuff, right? Yeah, that's true. You never know. Visitors can wait in a queue, sometimes reaching up to two hours to see the painting for only a couple of minutes. Yeah. But this begs the question, why? I have often wondered. So the Mona Lisa was completed by Leonardo da Vinci in around uh, 1506 and is a portrait of who he believed to be Lisa del Giocondi. Okay. Even at the time, the portrait was highly regarded as a masterpiece of the Renaissance. And while it has been in the Louvre since 1797 on public display, it's never really a public spectacle. Instead, it was just another beautiful painting among the rest. Yeah. It was not until uh, 1911 that the Mona Lisa achieved worldwide fame when the painting was seen in newspapers across the globe. The famous painting had been the victim of the greatest art heist in the history of the 21st century. (laughs) But when I say great, I don't mean to invoke a heist on the level of the Antwerp diamond heist from our first episode. Oh. It wasn't that exciting because that was was a very exciting. I love that episode so much. You (laughs) you really came in hot. Yeah, I tried. On the show. You did great. I tried. Uh, And if you haven't listened to that episode, uh, you should. Yeah, even though it's our first episode, it's it's really well done. You did a great job with that story. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, no problem. Now, as far as capers go, this one was quite simple. Uh, and there was only one man behind it. Well, there may have been some accomplices. Whoa. But there was really only one man behind it. Vinicio Perugia. He had previously worked at the Louvre part-time making the protective glass that was supposed to secure the paintings. Oh, what? And ensure that they were not stolen. (laughs) I love him. Yeah. Uh, But Perugia was not looking to steal the Mona Lisa to make a fortune and retire to some secluded island. In fact, he was not even considering stealing the Mona Lisa in the first place. His self-proclaimed motive was to steal a piece of art to return to his home country of Italy, where many many pieces of art had been stolen by Napoleon. So this is is like our, out of the last four episodes, three of them, including this one, have been about 
French history. Yep. Sorry about it. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. We did not plan this at all. Well, kind of like how we did two like murder stories back to back. Like, yeah. yeah. You know, it just kind of happens. And last week's episode was about Napoleon. Well, yeah. in yeah. part. Ish. Yeah. So it's just funny how that how that happens. Yeah. As the time came to fulfill his theft, he decided on the Mona Lisa because it was one of the smaller, more manageable pieces, measuring in at only 30 inches by 21 inches. I have noticed that. Like when I've seen pictures of people like at the Louvre, like you see the crowds around it, and it is much smaller than I would have expected it to be. Well, it's it's fairly small. Uh, considering the other sizes of pieces, but it's also when you're looking at it um, from the perspective of visitors, mm-hmm. it looks even smaller because people are kept at a pretty significant distance. Right. I, I couldn't tell from the pictures and I forgot when I was doing my research, but it's about, I think it's over five feet. Mm-hmm. Something like that. Yeah. So it looks tiny. It's not really too tiny, uh, but, you can't get a very good look at it. Well, I, it's just, it's smaller than I expected it to be given the space that like the, not the literal space it takes up, but like how much space it takes up in our culture and how it's like, sure. it's the most, like you were saying, like the most famous painting. Like I just expected it to be like the size of a door at least, <laughs> like expect it to be huge, you know? Well, you know, which art piece really surprised me by its size david oh oh my god yeah he's a gigantic fella i thought it was just maybe like twice the size of a normal human being (laughs) it is a massive gargantuan statue yeah oh yeah mona lisa is much smaller than whatever yeah that being said yeah uh i also have to interject here and inform that uh perugia actually made an error in choosing the mona lisa Leonardo da Vinci died in France, and when he did, King Francis I took ownership of the art left in his studio, mm-hmm. including the Mona Lisa. Mm-hmm. So it was legally owned and paid for by France the whole time. Yes, but... <laughs> but... Mm. He, 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 he was an Italian man. Yes. Um, but they had legal ownership of it. Sure. Italy did not. Nevertheless... Uh, Perugia had decided that it was going to be the one he would steal, but it would not be easy. While it was small, it still weighed over 200 pounds in its glass enclosure. Whoa. The panel itself weighed about 18 pounds and was, although it was rather small, it was about the size of of his own torso. Gosh, that's so small for for what it is. That's just amazing. It's amazing. But how are you going to get that out? Right. Well, you you pull a a Roy from the IT crowd when he took that computer home under his shirt. There you go. Yeah, it looked totally fine. Not suspicious at all. There you go. Finally, on August 21st, 1911, the theft took place. Now, either Perugio entered the Louvre the evening before and hid in a supply closet until Mm -hmm. morning... Or he snuck in with workers that same morning. Aren't too sure about when he got in. But he did work there, right? Well, he worked there previously. Oh, okay. He was not an active employee. Uh, I see. Okay. So the theft took place on a Monday when the museum was closed to the public, but the staff was still at work. So he entered the gallery where the Mona Lisa was on display, 
and he was dressed in a white smock like the other workers. Mm -hmm. He removed the painting from the four braces on the wall and took the painting out of the glass and the frame. Took it off its frame. Just like out there in the open did this. Well, I think he took it into a supply closet. And this is where things are a little hazy because it's very heavy. 200 pounds. And and, and Perugio was not a big guy. I think he was like 5'4". Oh, okay. So my size. And, and he might... And I, I don't know. He, I don't think he was going to be able to pull that off just himself. He may have had some accomplices. I can tell you... Even though I'm pretty swole, I don't think at 5'4", I could lift a 200-pound piece of art and glass and whatever off a wall by myself without breaking it. Or making a loud noise. Yeah. It, no, no. No way is that happening, just me by myself. Well, whatever, ha- however this happened, he took it out of the glass in the frame, and he hid the glass and frame in a nearby staircase, a, a st- stairwell. And then he made his way down the stairwell with the unprotected painting under his smock. However, this is where the theft almost ended before it really began. When Perugio reached the bottom of the stairwell, there was a locked door. <laughs> now, no problem. Perugio had a key from, you know, having worked at the Louvre. Right. And he knew that this door was normally locked, but he had the key, so no problem. However, the key did not work. Oh, so now he was stuck at the bottom of the stairwell with the <laughs> Mona Lisa under his coat. Bummer. So he decided the only thing he could do was to take apart the door handle. Oh, my God. I mean, what else are you going to do? So he started getting to work on it with a screwdriver. Wow. He and pulled a Tommy Pickles. He, he sure just did. out that screwdriver. <laughs> and try he did, but he didn't. He hadn't made much progress when he heard someone coming down the stairs. Uh-oh. And he had nowhere to go, right? So down the stairs came one of the Louvre's plumbers, who saw Perugio struggling with the door. What did this plumber do? He opened the door for who he thought was a co-worker. Uh-huh. Now, I don't know how he didn't realize that Perugio had this large canvas under his smock. He must have looked like Dave Burns or something. <laughs> well, you know what? Everybody is a good body. There's no such thing as a perfect or normal shaped body. Let's just all be very body positive. Maybe he looks like SpongeBob SquarePants, and that's okay. Either way, it's very silly, but he got out. Mm -hmm. Perugio then made his way through the museum and out the front exit. (laughs) Where he carried the painting wrapped in his smock under his arm and disappeared into Paris. Incredible. Now, you think that the museum would have been alerted to the missing painting rather quickly. I mean, there was a blank space on the wall with four empty hooks. Yeah. But nobody noticed for over a day. Whoa. And it wasn't until an artist came to the museum. He was there to paint a still life of the gallery. And he noticed, as he had gotten set up and was starting to get to work, that there was an empty spot on the wall. (laughs) And four empty hooks. Wow. The masterpiece was not there. So he asked a guard about it, who suspected that it had been taken down to be photographed on the roof. Now, many paintings were being taken off of display and taken up to the roof for photo shoots. Okay. I guess this is just what they were doing, right? All right. Imagine if you get up there and it's a really windy day and it just gets like blown out of your hands. I know. <laughs> how embarrassing. It's forever. 
Oh, no. Mm. That really was the Last Supper. Oh, got him. Isn't that one huge, though? I think so. I think that one's like the opposite of the Mona Lisa, where it's way bigger than you think it is. <laughs> so neither, neither of them were too worried, you know. Sure. Now, that quickly changed when the guard asked staff, and they realized the Mona Lisa was indeed missing. Oh. That evening, the museum announced to the public, the Mona Lisa is gone. Thus far, we haven't a clue as to who might have committed this crime. Wow. So the media went crazy. Uh Uh-huh. Police searched Paris for anyone who was seen with a canvas, of which there were many. (laughs) Amateur detectives also swarmed Paris while other citizens swarmed the Louvre to look at the spot where the Mona Lisa (laughs) once hung. Y'all are goofy. The police were able to identify one suspect, Guillaume Apollier. Whoa. The poet and artist who had once called for the loot to be burned down. Oh, my God. Was also the suspect of a theft involving t- of, of two statues from the Louvre. Connected to that suspected theft was another more well-known artistic name, Pablo Picasso. Hello. Police questioned both the centric men on the disappearance of the Mona Lisa, but they had no evidence. They tried to frame Picasso for this? Yeah. <gasps> Well, they oh didn't try God. to frame them, but they were like, the, these guys are in cahoots. They oh they, they must have done this. Oh, my God. Obsessed. Which and, that, and this made sense because them not having any evidence, because at that moment, the Mona Lisa was still in the possession of Perugio. He had not quickly swept the painting off to Italy for a hero's welcome. Oh, come on. No. He had remained in Paris in his one-bedroom apartment <sighs> with the painting kept in the false base of a trunk. Sir, he was either waiting for the heat to die down or he was waiting to find the right contact in Italy. As a former employee, Perugio was also contacted by police and questioned among the hundreds that they were questioning because they didn't have any leads. Mm -hmm. But he was never considered a suspect. (laughs) Good job, guys. As police scoured across the city for any hints of clues newspapers across the world were keeping up with the scandal of the astonishing theft and plastered the mona lisa's face all over their pages ah weeks turned to months oh my god months turned to years what with no trace of da vinci's painting oh my god and then finally in december of 1913 an art dealer in Florence, Italy, named Alfredo Jerry, was contacted by a man calling himself Leonard. He said he was in possession of the Mona Lisa. Oh, boy. And he wanted to return it to Italy for a price. Well, yeah. 500,000 lire, to be exact, which is the equ- equivalent to about $750,000 in today's uh, money in U.S. dollars. Wow. So, Jerry... And- uh, uh- Sorry, I feel like he was really selling himself short there. He could get a lot more for the real Mona Lisa than $750,000, bud. Well, I don't know. That's that's the, that's what he decided on. I mean, if you're if you're supposed to be doing this for like the glory of Italy and like to bring her home and whatever, sure, maybe you're not going to reach for the stars. But it's worth a lot more than that. Jerry invited Leonard, who I'm guessing that you've guessed was in fact Perugia to Florence to authenticate the painting with the director of the Uffizi Gallery, Giovanni Poggi. Three days later, the three men met in a hotel room where Perugio had began 
was was staying. Okay. And he began removing items from a trunk. Then revealed the false bottom of the trunk containing a wrapped item. And there on the bed, Perugia unwrapped the well-preserved Mona Lisa. Wow. So Poggi told Perugia that the painting needed to be taken back to the gallery to be inspected to verify mm. that it was indeed authentic. Mm-hmm. And there they confirmed the stamp of the Louvre on the back, confirming that they were, in fact, looking at the missing masterpiece. Dang. They agreed to uh, Perugia's price and convinced him to keep the painting secure at the gallery and not just at some random hotel while the final steps of their transaction were completed. So Perugia returned to the hotel room pretty happy to be a proud Italian, returning heritage to the country, and making some money off the deal as well. Yeah. So can you guess what happened next? Um, They immediately called the Louvre and said, hey, we got your guy? Yes, he was immediately arrested. Yeah. <laughs> and jailed. Yeah. <laughs> he was sentenced to one year in prison. That's not bad, honestly. But was released after seven months. Oh, that's really not bad. His arrest was a bit of a spectacle itself. Many Italians hailed him as a hero for trying to recover art stolen by Napoleon back to their homeland. (laughs) Even though, as we discussed, Mm -hmm. the Mona Lisa had not been stolen. And he was selling it for a hefty sum of money, not notably donating it. Uh But he's still considered a bit of a national hero. Sure. The news of the Mona Lisa's recovery was another huge media spectacle as it made a tour around Da Vinci's homeland and ultimately returned to the Louvre in January 1914. Wow. People across the world wanted to see the recovered masterpiece themselves. Mm. An estimated uh, 120,000 people went to see it in the first two days it was back at the Louvre. Oh my God. That's the, way too many people. It's a lot of people. Oh, yuck. The excitement escalated as art enthusiasts' interest in the painting poured into the mainstream. Mm. And cartoons and parodies and songs and just about <laughs> anything else you can think of spawned during this era. Yeah. Now, it's believed that due to the circumstances and attention that the theft brought, whatever painting that Perugia had stolen would have become as famous as the Mona Lisa is today. Interesting. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. And if he had not stolen the Mona Lisa, it would have likely just been another painting in the Louvre, admired by enthusiasts, but unknown to the masses. That's so weird. Yeah. That's so weird. So there you go. The whole reason that the Mona Lisa is so famous is because somebody tried to steal it. (laughs) It was missing for a couple years, so now everyone is obsessed. Well, you know, a lot of people think, well... It's famous, so it has to be like the best painting ever made. Right. And while it is a great painting, um, I think it's that's not the reason. Right. There are many, many, many great paintings. Many, many of them you you've never seen before. Right. You know? Oh yeah. It's just, you know, the right place, the right time, the might the right media, the right situation, and the Mona Lisa is it. I think we can all agree, though, that the superior painting is Whistler's mother. <laughs> are you are you making that as a Mr. Bean reference? Of course I am. Yeah. I want a print of Mr. Bean's Whistler's mother 
so bad. <laughs> I want it hanging in our home, like a large, like taking up a whole wall. Yeah. It's it's much better than the Mona Lisa. I'd pay a lot more money to see the Rowan Atkinson Whistler's mother than I would to see the freaking Mona Lisa. I mean, like, whatever. I mm-hmm. somehow... Well, you know what? I do believe that, to be perfectly honest yeah, with you. Yeah, you really should. It's like, would you yeah. not know me? I don't get it. Yeah, that, that is completely accurate. Yeah. Well, hey, <laughs> thank you for listening to yet another French episode. <laughs> if you enjoyed it, please take a second to rate, review, and subscribe on whatever podcast platform you're listening. And if you want to see pictures of the... of uh, This was the Mona Lisa by... Um, by artist Leonardo da Vinci. If you want to see pictures of what this painting looks like, because if you don't know already, yeah. If you if you want to see what it looks like, mm-hmm. uh, you'll be able to find some pictures of it on our Twitter and Instagram. We are fantastic H Pod on both. We'll also be posting Whistler's mother. I suppose we'll have to now. Yeah, don't worry about it. And if you have any other uh, suggestions of French history for us to. <laughs> to to, uh you know cover on future episodes really any comments that you have at all feel free to shoot us an email we are uh fantastic history pod at gmail.com until next week Mm